In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about selling teeth, faultless ambition, taking over the world with baby animals and naps, mutual corruption, the new Golden Girls, and the curse of Grinkles in our discussion of Nettle and Bone by T. Kingfisher, featuring super fan Brie. Hey everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult and sometimes other books, series, authors, voice actors, and illustrators that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. Oh, and we have a guest today, everyone. Don't say your part yet, Claire, because we have another person we need to sneak in the middle. Ready? Go. I'm Bree. Yay! Yay! Yay for super fan Bree. Okay, now you should go. Thank you. And I'm Claire. <laughs> Today we're going to discuss Nettle and Bone by T. Kingfisher with Brie. Super fun. Yay! Yay! Woo! I'm so excited. We are too. Standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just love the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. Mm-hmm. Woo! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, party. well, I have a feeling, as I dance party... There's going to be a long one because there's going to be a lot of conversation with the being three of us. Yes. So let's just dive into some background information, please. Let's do. I found this on um, a blog called thinnedbooks.wordpress.com or perhaps it's thinnedbooks. I'm not positive. Thinnedbooks.wordpress.com. How did you come up with the story of Nettle and Bone? they ask. And the answer is, it all started with a very short story called Godmother, which fell somewhere between flash fiction and poetry, and which started with the line, You came to me in your cloak of nettles, with the dog made of bone at your side. I liked that story, but I kept wanting to know more about it, and eventually I sat down to figure out who the woman was who'd built her own dog out of bones, and all the rest. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like feel the urge I want a bone dog. I want a bone dog and a bone cat and a bone mouse and a bone bunny and maybe a bone <laughs> ferret. I would prefer a demon chicken, but we'll get to that later. That's way jumping ahead more than usual. That's that's inappropriate. Let's have some that initial is. thoughts. Reach. My initial thought is uh, not a a thought, really, but it is a statement that I am going to make that says, thanks for suggesting this one, Brie. (laughs) That doesn't sound rehearsed at all. Did you spend a good five minutes in front of the mirror practicing? (laughs) I did. I did. I can emote it in different ways if necessary. Thank you for suggesting this one, Brie. Is it the pause? I think it's the pause before I say your name that makes it worse. Yeah. Can you can you do surprise? <gasps> Thanks for suggesting this one, Bree. Oh, this girl's got range. I yeah. take direction. <laughs> True talent. 
<laughs> well, I, I concur, agree, and um, follow on from that to say thanks, Brie. But also, I'm so looking forward, or was looking forward to reading another T. Kingfisher, because after we read The Defensive Guide to Baking. The, the Wizard's Defensive, Guide. Wizard's Guide to Defensive Baking, that's right. A long title. Mm-hmm. I adored that book so much. I still chuckle over it. Yeah. So wholesome. But, yeah. And we keep recommending T. Kingfisher books, but we keep not doing them. Because why? Why? Because we have so many other books to read. Too many books and too little time. There's only only 52 weeks in the year. Because we read so many. I know. I mean, we could read them ourselves, but that's not fun. We got to share them with everybody, too. Well, that's part of the the whole shtick. It is. That is, (laughs) in fact, the entirety of the shtick. The shtick. (laughs) What's our shtick? This is just subjectively, though, one of the best books I have read, like, in years. I have not read things that have fit all of my dark fairy tale Mm. whatever boxes. Mm. And it also ticked a lot of your boxes, too. Because, you know, we'll get to that. (laughs) We will. We will. Spoiler alert. There are things that Amanda really enjoys in this book. (laughs) It's amazing. So maybe we should get started so we could get to those things. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Do it. (gasps) Do it. Do our shtick. It's our shtick. It's our (laughs) shtick. Mara is sitting in a charnel pit, making a dog out of bones. As one does. Good introduction. Very good. (laughs) She has to sift through other animal and human bones to find just the right pieces to fit together, knitting them together with wire. As Mara is thinking about a rhyme she heard once, Bone Dog, Stone Dog, crows let out a warning call. Someone is approaching. Pulling down her cloak made of owl cloth tatters and spun nettle cord, Mara sees a man come through the trees that could be a roving cannibal. So she must take care. Maybe. (laughs) The person walks past in the crow's settle as Mara continues her work on the bone dog. At dusk, the bone dog comes to life and immediately runs off. Three tasks the dust wife had given her. Sew a cloak of owl cloth and nettles, build a dog of cursed bones, and catch moonlight in a jar of clay. And she's failed already. Damn it. Damn it. You know, she built the dog so that's that's just, not a fail she well just exactly can't i mean prove it she should she should she should have put it on the gram if she'd she taken have. a picture and put it on the gram selfie with a bone the, dog exactly you can do marvelous things with photoshop for the third one too oh you can exactly exactly the magic of photoshop she needs to get on it <laughs> Mara was the youngest of three daughters. Her eldest sister, Damia, was promised to another kingdom to solidify alliances through marriage. And her middle sister, Kanya, hated Mara's guts. <laughs> her father was absent and her mother was busy ruling the kingdom. Five months after Damia went to her husband's kingdom, she is returned in state. Dead from a fall, apparently. <laughs> Barely a season after Damia's death, the prince offers to marry Kanya. But it's too soon. While Mara fears for her sister, Kanya is confident what happened to Damia won't happen to her. After a year, Kanya heads north to the prince. Eight months later, Mara goes to the convent because the prince and Kanya can have not conceived yet and any children Mara might have 
it could cause problems with succession. Mara originally arrived at the blistered land despite being warned against going in because it's full of cannibals, <laughs> but received warm welcomes from the people there. It's a strange place that seems to take no time at all to reach, just right on the doorstep. It's too close, too real, and too hungry, and when she leaves, someone yells at her to stop. A man asks her about where she is from, the Harbor Kingdom, and what she is doing. This is ridiculous. Would a hero be challenged? He shakes his shovel, demanding she leave, but then she realizes his fear is for her bone dog, which emerges through the shadowy trees. Reunited with her bone dog, they return to the dust wife, task two complete. <gasps> she Boom. didn't fail after Yay. all, and she didn't Boom. have to fake it. Quick, get it, Sophie. <laughs> Before this, five years into her stay at the convent, the queen informs Mara that her sister Kanya is pregnant at last, and they make arrangements to visit. The queen gives Mara the option to visit as a princess, but Mara decides to wear her robes and go as a nun instead. The queen and Mara go to Kanya as she is in the throes of a painful labor, and while the queen fetches Kanya some water, Kanya tells Mara that if she should die, she must run away or ruin herself anything to not let herself be married off to the prince and this hell. At last, Ooh. Kanye gives birth to a baby girl. Yay? Oh, that's not going to help with the, the succession. Well, it depends. I mean, it depends. Well, I can't remember what it's officially called when it's only the males can succeed in the line. I don't this know. kingdom is certainly not very progressive. No. No, no, no. it is not. No. We... This this kingdom supports the patriarchy. Bloody patriarchy. <sighs> Mara hates the court and the patriarchy and is treated <laughs> to the courtiers like she is simple. Hmm. The maid Mara is assigned is extremely superstitious and has a lot to say about dead kings and queens, the cold crypt they rest in known as the palace under the palace and the strange way the royal family ages so quickly. Hmm. Let's all left. Put a little look on that idea. The current wizened king is only 50. At the christening, Mara meets the prince and a shriveled old woman wearing enough lace to buy a palace is announced as the royal godmother and bestows a blessing upon the baby Virian. She says, I shall serve her as I have served all her line, my life bound to theirs. No foreign magic shall harm them, nor enemy shall topple their throne. As it has been for all of the children of the royal house, so shall it be for her as long as I draw breath. Mm. Lots of information we need to look away in that paragraph. <laughs> yes, everyone please remember that. Store it in the back of your head. <laughs> Shortly after, Mara returns to the convent with unsatisfying gossip about the court of the Northern Kingdom. Only a few months later, Mara is told Kania is pregnant again. Eh. Mara expects to be summoned for the birth at any time, but it does not come. And after 11 months, Mara decides Kanya must have lost the child. Oh. Months later, Kanya is pregnant again. Damn Working with the sister apothecary now, Mara has learned a lot about birth and decides it is something she does not want. Same. Same-sies. Same-sies. <laughs> In her 15th year at the convent, Mara receives a letter telling her Virian has died of the fever spreading throughout the kingdom and she must journey to her sister. 
When Mara reaches the Northern Kingdom, her mother is there, and she notes, Kanya, shocking no one, is pregnant again. Oh, no, you horrible. So, Virian has been her only successful birth, and now she's dead, so that's not good. The family dinner that night is super awkward, highly inappropriate given the circumstances, and the prince is an asshole to Kanya. Kanya announces that she will spend the night with Virian in the chapel and asks Mara to join her. When Mara and Kanya are finally left alone by the guards, the sisters pray. Kanya confesses that though she gave birth to Virian, she was never allowed to be her mother. She was permitted a few minutes with her a day at most and saw none of her milestones and feels nothing now she is dead. Can you blame her? That is really... I can't blame her at all, but that is really rough. Mara notices marks on Kanya, who tells her that the prince hurts her, usually not while she is pregnant with the fear of miscarriage, but he is angry now. The prince is terrified of a bastard child on the throne and takes it out on his wife. Kanya is a prisoner. Mara tells her sister he must die, but there is no opportunity for Kanya to carry out the deed as they are never alone. Ugh. Like, That bit ever. was creepy. I like that Kanya has thought about it, though. Yeah. Oh, I like that she thought, she's thought about it, but when there's guards there, literally every second of every day, yeah. regardless of what the activity is. Mm, that was gross. I, yeah. I did love how thorough this was, though. It's, it, it, it's more descriptive... But yeah. we are we are aware that these are triggering subjects. So yeah, we do not go into definitely. Detail. Also, I, I'm just grossed out by it. So yes, no, well, it is extremely well. gross. Yeah. Once Kanye gives birth to a boy, though, her life will be worthless. Damn it! But Kanye, she will endure. Oof. Back at her mother's palace, Mara tells her mother about the abuse Kanya suffers. The queen agrees the prince is a monster, but only wishes the next child is a boy and heir, because the queen has the possibility of war to consider. And yes, her mother knew about the prince's actions against Damia. The prince chose his victims well. Daughters who need an alliance and can't fight back out of fear of the retaliation against the kingdom. The queen tells Mara to say nothing to no one and offers no assurance Kanya will be all right. Ugh. None of this is okay. I don't know okay. how I feel about the mother at this point. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. She's she's a mother, but she's also a queen. You understand her position, but also gross. Yeah. Yeah, it's gross. It's gross however you look at it. Mara returns to the convent, unsatisfied with being unable to help her sister. She gives a half-truth about Kanya's well-being to the sister apothecary, who offers her luck. Night after night, Mara dreams increasingly creative, yet useless, schemes to kill the prince and save her sister. One day, word reaches Mara of a death in the northern kingdom, the king. So now, the prince has become King Vorling of the North. Mara doesn't know if this is better or worse, but she's full of rage either way, so it's fine. When Mara overhears two lay sisters talking, she's inspired to visit a dust wife, hoping they can help. When she can, Mara goes to the town and to the graveyard where a dust wife resides. 
Mara vaguely explains the situation and after a few general recommendations are easily discounted, the dust wife grabs Mara's hand, holding them tightly for a few moments. She tells Mara she needs a real dust wife. One married to clear and bone and grave dirt. And to find one, she must head south and east to the plains. You know she's going to get the OG dust wife. She's, she's got going to. For the OG. Yeah, she needs. You to... know somebody is hardcore when she's married to clay and bone and grave dirt. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Aspirational. Yes. Capital D. Goals. Capital W. Dust wife. Yes. All right. Traveling frugally as a nun after experiencing a particularly nasty coach ride spent being harassed by a man, Mara reaches a dust wife who directs her down the way through ancient graves to the dust wife, who is less intimidating because of the chickens she keeps, (laughs) regardless of the brown hen having a demon in her. Enter Amanda's favorite character, demon chicken. You know it's bung-eyed and it just kind of looks at you and goes, and then turns away. The dust wife assigns Mara three impossible tasks before she will help her kill Vorling. The first is to sew an owl cloth cloak with nettle thread. It isn't easy, it isn't painless, but you know, others' pain is worse. So Mara perseveres and is able to sew the impossible cloak. Next, she is told to make the bone dog and... Finally, the story reconnects. Mara returns to the dust wife with her canine companion, ready for the third impossible task, to catch moonlight in a jar of clay. This is vexing to the dust wife because um, the point of an impossible task is that they are meant to be impossible, and therefore Mara was not meant to complete them. Twice. <laughs> The dust wife hands Mara an earthenware jar that, when opened, bathes Mara in blue-white light. The dust wife instructs her to hand the jar back, then declares the impossible tasks complete. They will leave in three days to kill the king, but it will take them weeks to reach their destination. After four days of slow travel, the dustwife declares they must go to the goblin market. She needs to get directions and, finding a ford in a stream, the dustwife throws in a pebble and instructs Mara not to talk to the dead that will rise from it. A bloated, drowned dead boy swims upstream, gurgling his response to the dustwife. Apparently, he was able to give the dustwife the direction she needs and, suddenly, a wide staircase appears, leading down to the goblin market. The goblin market is filled with all types, shapes, colors, and varieties of creatures. The dust wife finds a stall with moths, knowing that one will be able to help them find what they need to complete their quest. She negotiates two weeks of Mara's life for a moth and instructs Mara to blow across it and ask it to help her find what she needs to help her sister. They follow the moth through the market, past a woman Mara assumes is a saint, to a cellar with an array of teeth where a large man sits wearing a metal collar so fine it could be lace. For the price of a nun's tooth, one of Mara's teeth, (laughs) they buy the man. With one last stop to purchase a glamour for Bone Dog, which only costs a demon egg, they leave the goblin market. I love the market. (laughs) Oh, that was one of my favorites. Later, later. Once free from the market, the large man introduces himself as Fenris. 
Fenris was a knight before murdering a monstrous lord and his men, and as penance, he slept in a fairy fort and was taken into servitude at the market. He doesn't know how long he was in the goblin market because time doesn't work the same there. Fenris also doesn't have a problem killing a prince who deserves to die, especially after Mara explains the prince's crimes. The dust wife points out one problem they must overcome, the royal godmother. To the shock of the dust wife and Fenris, Mara tells them that she has a godmother. Oh, Whoa. oh do Whoa. you now? Whoa, royalty. I thought you were a nun. Okay. <laughs> Hello, I'm a princess. <laughs> the group continues to travel north, bartering work for food or relying on born dog to hunt down game. When they finally arrive in Mara's kingdom, she feels nothing. The dustwife asks where her godmother lives and they start walking in that direction. The godmother, Agnes, recognises one of hers, but not who specifically until Mara pointedly introduces herself as Princess Mara and the realisation dawns. Oh. <laughs> As Agnes makes tea, Mara berates her for gifting health and a prince to Damia just for her to be murdered by him and also health to Kenya who endures beatings by the same man. Mara sees Awkward. her gift of health as useless while the dustwife sees that Agnes can only bestow the gift of health. Fenris wonders why a godmother with a single gift would serve the royal family, but learns it's because she is Mara's great aunt. Of course, their family, of course. The dustwife tells Agnes of their quest, and Agnes offers to come along without question. I love how you just say to somebody, We're gonna get, go and kill a king, is an absolute abusive asshole. Do you want to join in? Everybody's like, Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. 100%. I'll just pack a, I'll pack Immediately. A bag. Yeah, let's go. I, I'm, I'm going to go on that quest. Should we go on now? <laughs> She's a good egg. <laughs> She's got a demon egg. <laughs> yes, she was hatched by the finest of possessed chickens. <sighs> Eventually, the group sets off on their quest to kill the prince. The dustwife asks about becoming a godmother and whether they can curse as well as bestow gifts. And Agnes confesses she has cursed, but it scared her and refuses to do it. This leads to wondering about the gift bestowed by the Northern Kingdom's royal godmother and how they can use it. Mara remembers what was bestowed on her dead niece and tells them what the royal godmother said. I shall serve her as I have served all her line, my life bound to theirs. No foreign magic shall harm them. No enemy shall topple their throne. And as it has been for all the children of the royal house, so shall it be for her as long as I draw breath. It takes two days to reach the capital of the Northern Kingdom, and Mara is overwhelmed with the task before them. As they aren't going to kill the prince that night, they need to find somewhere to stay. During their journey, they tell Agnes about the moth and Fenris, and she thinks she can do something similar, but she needs a baby. Fenris, fine with murdering, refuses to draw the line at kidnapping a child. Hey, respect but... people's boundaries. Respect them. <laughs> That's a fair ethical boundary. <laughs> Would you rather... No. Uh... <laughs> Murder! Look, all Agnes needs is a baby animal, which can be returned oh to its parent later. It's fine. 
Oh, that's so wholesome. <laughs> the dust wife's demonic chicken gives a timely cluck, so they decide to find a chick. It doesn't take Fenris long to find a reputable chicken seller. I'm curious about the non-reputable chicken sellers. Oh, I'm guessing exist. it's the health of the chickens. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's the, the health of the chickens. <laughs> nobody wants a scraggly chicken. No, nobody wants a scraggly chicken. That is 100% true. Those are the ones that are selling animal food, not livestock. Oh, no. Bone Dog would probably like a scraggly chicken. Yes. <laughs> Bone Dog a scraggly chicken. Oh. So after finding the reputable chicken seller, it takes Agnes a little bit longer to find the right chick and ask it to find them somewhere safe. Placing the chick on the ground, the group follows it, Agnes respelling it every now and then, until they reach Miss Margaret's boarding house. The girl sitting nearby warns them about him. Oh no. Oh no, a mysterious Let's hope him. it's not the patriarchy. Oh, enough problems the with patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> the prince is bad well, enough. Who could be worse? We we don't need any more. Yeah. Well, Miss Margaret has two rooms for rent and names of very low price. When they enter, something on Miss Margaret's shoulder catches their attention. Him. <laughs> he is a wooden marionette puppet whose string <laughs> loops Miss Margaret's throat. Oh, I love him. <laughs> Agnes unsubtly reacts to the puppet, <laughs> noting it's a cursed child. And as she does, she pulls the string tight over Miss Margaret's throat. Oh. Realising her faux pas, Agnes shuts up and suddenly hands the chick to Mara before fainting dead away. The dust wife explains she's overcome with using too much magic. Amara is wary of the cursed child. The dustwife says it will be fine. After all, it will just choke Miss Margaret, not anyone else. <laughs> Plus, the rooms are clean and they're getting a meal a day. It's a bargain! <laughs> it really is. Do you know it what? Really I, I would put up with a, a cursed child on my landlady yeah. for a cheap, clean room and a meal a day. It's fine. When I'm off to kill the king. <laughs> I mean, if Miss Margaret isn't, you know, dead, then it's fine. She'll have to pay for the room, so she's going to get the money. Yeah, I think it's very telling on how discreet Miss Margaret can be. Mm. You know, she's got she's obviously got no friends to to <laughs> gossip with about her her borders. So yeah, you know, it's fine. It's, it's all fine. good. I see no red job. flags. No red flags whatsoever. Later, Mara and Fenris are in one of the rooms together. Now there are walls and a closed door. It seems close. Fenris admits that through their journey, people at the inns liked to gossip about the royal family, so he reciprocates and tells Mara about being a squire, his ambition, duty, and the lord who was abusive to his son and tortured him to death. So Fenris killed him to avenge the boy before jumping into the fairy fort. During the night, through the thin walls, Mara overhears the dust wife and Agnes talking. It turns out Agnes cursed the chick to find the boarding house because her magic doesn't stick well unless it's a curse. <laughs> uh... <laughs> it all becomes so clear. So good. Threaten the chick. <laughs> Terrify it. 
The next morning over breakfast, Agnes offers to go and speak to the royal godmother, professional to professional. She suspects <laughs> what she whispered to the child may be different to what she, you know, said out loud. Mara offers to go with her, assuming she went unnoticed that one time that she saw her. Agnes grabs the chick she has named Finder, gets the basic direction of where the royal godmother would live from Miss Margaret, and heads out. On the way, Agnes needles Mara about Fenris, using a lot of wiggly eyebrows and nudges in the ribs. Insert Monty Python sketch here. (laughs) Eventually, they reach the royal godmother's house, which is really more of a temple, and after getting past the guard, they are permitted to see the royal godmother. The royal godmother serves them tea and Mara drinks. However, not long after her sip, she starts feeling strange. Mara knows the godmothers are there and talking, and she hears the royal godmother mention that of course there is a curse, but they seem distant and too big, and the tapestries adorning the royal godmother's house steal all her attention away from their strange and unskilled weaves and knots, and they're just attention-grabbing, and she just needs to unpick them. Anyhow. The royal godmother notices Mara and she offers her a present before they leave, a cutting from one of the tapestries, telling Mara she may, you know, find it useful. I may want to try that tea sometime, not gonna lie. (laughs) (laughs) Only if it's legal in your state. (laughs) Probably not. Everything's legal where you live, it's fine. Wait, no, uh, hardly anything's legal where you live now. Yeah, no. Things are changing. Yeah, no. It's the yeah, opposite. No. That's right. I oh, see where you is. got confused there, there Amanda. It it's the opposite. It's the opposite. You're right. You're right. Amsterdam, however. Oh, let's go. All right. Outside, not Amsterdam. Agnes <laughs> tells Mara it wasn't the tea, darn, but the royal godmother who didn't want anyone listening to them that sent her to the tapestries. Turns out she is more powerful and a heck of a lot older than the dust wipe. Oh. oh. She's also not blessing the royal babies, but cursing them, and has done so for centuries. Nice. Back at the boarding house, they discuss the curse and what it means. Obviously, she's draining the life out of the royal children to keep herself alive because she was bound to always serve the royal family, and no, other magic will not work on the royal family, not even a small teensy healing spell. The tapestry still remains a mystery. Suddenly, Mara remembers that all the dead kings are buried beneath the palace, including the king who bound the royal godmother. Maybe the dust wife can speak to him and free her from her duties. Ooh, clever. Idea. They scope out the palace tomb over the next few days. There must be a service entrance in addition to the royal entrance where all the pomp and ceremony takes place. The dust wife suggests Fenris take off his shirt and apply for a job as a stonemason. <laughs> that's how you apply for jobs. Hello, <laughs> shirt, take I would it like off. A job. <laughs> Smizing with your eyes while you do it. <laughs> yes, definitely. All hairy and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately for Mara and Agnes, Fenris doesn't need to take off his shirt to get a job and thankfully picks up his new task quick enough to not get fired straight away. 
Not immediately fired. <laughs> not immediately mm. fired. That's all we need. That's a good day where you're not immediately fired. <laughs> a few days later, Agnes bursts into the boarding house with news that Kanya has given birth to a boy. Oh. oh. The gossip is weird and wonderful, but none of it is about the health of their queen, Kanya. Rude. <laughs> That night, when Fenris returns, he announces they've found a way through the abandoned haunted quarry, which sounds so much fun. <laughs> because the christening will take place in three days, they haven't got long. Agnes seems to be the only way into the palace. Mara is too conspicuous, but no one can turn down a godmother. The dust wife points out that once the royal godmother is free, so are the protections around the king. And there are a thousand magics that can rectify that situation. Oh. <laughs> the next morning, they leave the boarding house. And as they give their thanks to Miss Margaret, the dust wife offers her a choice to be free of the cursed child. Miss Margaret begs for them to leave him alone. Oh. Oh. Uh, oh well. Shrug. They head to the abandoned haunted quarry where the dust wife breaks the bars barring the entrance before pulling out some of the moonlight which illuminates the usual curses and threats against grave robbers, like you do. Now they need to find the grave of the first king. They go grave by grave looking for the oldest. One has promise and the dust wife knocks to wake the dead occupant up and opens the sarcophagus. The occupant a consort, was buried alive for killing her husband's bastard children. But she didn't do it. She wanted to. She totally wanted to. She's cantankerous, pompous, and still angry, but gives them a hint to look for a boat, which is oddly helpful, and they continue their search. Unfortunately, a strange feeling creeps over the group, and the whispers of run and coming for you swirl through the catacombs. The ghosts of the grave robbers are warning them of the thief wheel coming for them. A cursed tangle of dead grave robbers and unfortunate souls designed to collect more. And the dust wife can't stop it from trapping them. Eventually, Mara is dropped from the thief wheel, cold and alone. But after wandering a little while through the tombs, Mara sees the saint from the goblin market and she leads her to the others. Convenient. Now they must hurry. <laughs> Very. Now they must hurry. They've lost a day, but luckily they find the fa fairly simple tomb of the first king and the dust wife wakes him up before ordering him to release the godmother. The first king is a jerk. Shock. He refuses to surprised? release the godmother and challenges the dust wife's power. What an asshole. <laughs> the dust wife runs a finger along a crack in the dead king's death mask before setting the demon chicken down to peck at the crack and the king screams in delicious <laughs> agony. Mara and Fenris can feel the magic. Agnes can see it and she's very impressed. When the chicken finishes breaking open the death mask, it poops into the hole onto the king's face <laughs> before strolling to the dustwife's shoulder. And we all And this on. is why we love the demon chicken. <laughs> Though the king's ghost is not quite gone, his magic has slipped, which will allow the godmother to free herself from his clutches. As the dustwife begins to stroll confidently out of the tomb, yeah, she crumples into an exhausted heap. Ah, nuts. But you know what? She brought it. 
She's a yes. badass. Yes. And she deserves especially, a nap. Yeah. yeah, especially after that thief wheel debacle. Yeah. Oof, yikes. As they decide their next step, Mara realizes the tapestry the godmother gave her has directions out of the catacombs. She couldn't directly help them because of the first king's curse, but she was able to give veiled assistance. Following the knots and threads, Mara is able to lead them to the godmother's temple where the ancient woman is alive, but waiting to die. First, she wants to see who freed her. As she takes the last sip of tea that she will ever take, the royal godmother turns to dust. Ah! Agnes has a moment of panic before being filled with resolution. She needs to be the impressive wicked godmother now. Yes. 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 Just embrace her full-on Maleficent. Ah, yeah. One thousand percent. A guard has come for the royal godmother, but the dust wife puts him to sleep. Meanwhile, Mara makes her grand dash entrance into the christening, announcing an accident that delayed her. Thankfully, the guards admit her, and her mother doesn't ask any questions aloud. Vorling, on the other hand, is impatiently and loudly saying he's being made a fool of for waiting for the royal godmother. Good. (laughs) Yeah, jerk. Mara looks at him in contempt, but instead of telling him how she really feels, she tells Vorling that as she was coming through the city, everyone was saying that the royal godmother is dead. (gasps) Meanwhile, Agnes, from the doorway, says she will stand in as the baby's godmother. As Vorling watches in confusion, Agnes lays a finger on the baby's head and says, This gift I give you, you shall grow up fatherless. <gasps> and then for all time's sake, and healthy. Yes. Everyone is still before Vorling screams to stop her. Agnes makes a run for it, with Bone Dog attacking the guards in her way. The guard, wheeling a halibut, brings it down on Bone Dog, and the bones explode everywhere. And we all cry, no, Bone Dog. Fenris, meanwhile, has run a sword through the king. Sneaky. Yay! Kanya looks at the chaos around her, then at Mara, and understands everything. As the guards are about to kill Fenris, Kanya stops them and demands Fenris live because they need to find out what exactly happened, so the guards drag him away. Kanya and Mara exchange a look before the Queen thanks her sister for trying to warn them and then declares she will stand as regent for her son until he comes of age. An hour later, as Kanya cradles her son, their mother congratulates Kanya on taking charge. Kanya promises she will try and do what she can for Fenris. The realization that her abuser is dead hasn't hit Kanya yet, and Mara apologizes for not helping sooner. As Mara sits with her mother and sister, an idea to save Fenris forms. The king's assassin will be entombed alive. (gasps) Fourteen hours later, Mara and the dust wife strain to open the sarcophagus and free Fenris. Together, they leave the catacombs, then leave the city, Mara knowing she will never return. Before departing, her sister gave her two gifts, a purse filled with money and a bag filled with bone dog's bones. After a few days' travel, the dust wife and Agnes leave Mara and Fenris with orders for them to give in to each other at last because they're so tired of all of the repressed longing. 
<laughs> First. So much sexy tension. So much tension. First, though, and more importantly, Mara rebuilds Bone Dog. Yay! <sighs> okay. That's the end. That's the end of the story. And now we have to take a break for a few seconds so you can listen to this promo from another show. Meanwhile, I want to build our own bone animals. Yeah, I was going to I was going to give some options. You know, you can go and build your own bone animal right now in this break or perhaps you can think longingly of someone with some sexual tension thrown in. Perhaps you can go and murder a king. Choose. Choose ooh, what you'd like ooh. to do. We'll be right back. Or you can help possess your chicken. Oh, yes, definitely. That is the option I choose. Ready? Go. So many options. <laughs> this is the Novel Universe with your hostesses, Dawn and Ashley. We rate and review the newest and most buzzworthy books. We are true book club ladies that don't always agree, but we do enjoy a good book discussion. You can find the Novel Universe on Apple, Spotify, and Google, where we post new episodes twice a month. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect. So grab your favorite beverage and join our universe. I don't know how to explain how much I love the teeth, but everyone who's ever <laughs> listened to an episode of the podcast before probably knows about my weird obsession with teeth. So, um, yeah, I think that was probably my favorite part uh, when they they make her teeth dance and they're all like <laughs> wiggling around in her mouth uh, can we please explain oh. properly though because it wasn't we didn't do it in a summary oh. but it's a person with a beak with a yes and he taps each tooth and he with finds, his beak and makes them dance. Yeah, he finds one that's like broken, which that's why they, that's why the dust wife suggested that they pay with a nun's tooth, you know, at at that tooth vendor, whatever, because she knew that Mara was having trouble with her with her teeth. So she's like, well, Lena, you know, we'll just fix it. We'll fix it right now. And then the guy puts his beak into her mouth and then all of her teeth start dancing. And then the gross one pops out and it's fine and everything's fine. If That's it's probably what... the best dental work you're going to get yeah. back then, let's yeah. be honest. I mean, yeah. if that's what happened when you go to the dentist, sure, let's go. I'll go to the dentist. You can wiggle, peck my teeth out. Dance, make teeth dance. Well, Lisa didn't hurt either. It was yeah. just... Freaking weird. weird. And yeah. I think she's got a little bit of PTSD from it, actually. Probably. But, you know, she hasn't got a, a pain there anymore. Yeah. How much do... When, you, when your tooth hurts, it hurts your entire head, into your eyeballs, down yes. your neck and your shoulders. It hurts yeah. so much. So, you know, really, it's, it's a very good thing that it happened. So... Yeah. Stop being ungrateful, Mara. Yeah, jeez. I got you, Fenris. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So and she's going to go back anyways, so got to free all the other people. Yeah. That's kind. That's kind of her offering to return to free everyone instead of just, you know, murdering a king and then running away. 
Well, you got to have a hobby after your big quest is done. Yeah, what else exactly. are you going to do with the rest of what your life? What do you do after the big quest? You've got to have the next big quest, don't you? Yeah. So Mara just tells everyone she's a nun, and at the end of her quest, she'll have to get dentures. Sure. It's fine. I'm sure she could get some nice teeth from other people. It'll be fine. Everything's fine. Maybe she frees... Fenris gives up one of his teeth. So... You know, the price for the next person is an assassin's tooth. Mm. He is an assassin. Uh, mm-hmm. and killer the... tooth. Yes. Uh-huh. yes. And then Jamie the person he frees then donates one of their teeth. So you kind of have mm. like a chain of teeth donations. Yes. So everybody's just yes. losing one. Okay. Rather than one person donating a whole mouthful of teeth. Yeah, okay. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Because I think, you know, if you're going to be freed from servitude, it would be nice to pair it back by saying you know what I'll, I'll get the next round <laughs> I got the next one <laughs> I got the next one <laughs> okay as soon as the teeth seller came on I was like oh there we go Amanda <laughs> yay yeah yeah and and I gotta be honest I needed that because the beginning of the book with the back and forth timeline I I struggled with it I really yeah. really did and I was Almost at the point where I just wanted to say, you know, I really don't like this book. But I know that Brie would never lead me astray. And then, you know, the story, the timelines reconnect. And then we go and start pulling out teeth and there's a demon chicken. So I'm like, okay, yeah, there it is. There it is. I have a a theory about the reason that was written like that, actually. Like, if it had been told in a perfectly linear fashion, you would have had her... Damia's death and Kania's marriage and all of that you would have started with that instead with changing around the timeline you start with Bone Dog that's so, true and Bone Dog is a good doggo he's no, a good I, I agree with the order that it took place in I agree that we needed that buy in with Bone Dog then we need a bit of history then we need to come back but um Amanda read the book before I did and you said to me the first seven chapters were difficult and I was like right and you said and but you did warn me that because I was writing the summary for this one perhaps the timeline will settle a little bit better with me because when you're summarizing you pay a lot more attention to what's going on you stop and start a lot more you go back over again and I remember I was sitting there and I had the audiobook on my phone I was playing it on the phone I had the tablet in front of me I was typing the summary up on the tablet and I was just doing straight away rather than notes I was straight a summary and I remember sitting there pausing it and going what the hell and then having to re-listen to a little bit again just mm-hmm. to understand because one moment we're talking about cannibals and what was with the cannibals nothing ever happens the about way. the cannibals I nothing, need, yeah. nothing. I need the cannibals complete... jumping disappointed that the cannibals weren't in yeah jumping ahead a little bit that was my big surprise that the blistered lands which the book explicitly said it's spreading like yeah like a plague area or whatever it's like just never mentioned again no i i yeah. started to think like okay we haven't read a lot of t kingfisher we've only read the wizard's guide to defensive baking before like is the do the blistered lands occur in another book and it's just supposed to be kind of like a throwback is are we missing something because it seemed too purposeful to say it and then 
but but then not explain it. So there's got to be a reason because T. Kingfisher is such a talented author. I can't imagine yes. that being an accident. No, it, it's a, it was definitely very purposeful. And it's not mentioned much in the summary because there was loads, there was loads set in this, in that, in, in that area, but not pertinent to the overall, like, mm-hmm. the hit points of the, of the story. And it was, that's that was really disappointing. I was like, I want to meet more cannibals. We're in a charnel pit full of animals and human bones. I want more of this. This person with the shovel is scared of a cannibal. Tell me more. You know, Mara's hiding underneath her owl cloth and nettle cloak because of cannibals and nothing happened. But because we're bouncing so much between the timelines, I was also thinking if we delved more into it and had the cannibals in at this point, it would be too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and by, I agree with where that it took place, but I think it was because all of a sudden you were back at the convent and you're going, oh, hang on, hang on. And then it was a, a few sentences later, you find out five years, has been, she's been in the convent for five years. And then it was a little bit more. And then you realise actually she doesn't want to be treated as a princess as a convent. She wants to get her hands dirty and muck out the stables. And then all of a sudden she's at the birth and then she's got bone dog. And, and it was very... Those first seven chapters were confusing and difficult to get to. Yeah, they had to cover a lot of ground. I I did at one point pause and go, I don't know if I can summarise this. And I was like, shit. I believe I said to myself, man, I'm glad Claire is summarising this one. (laughs) I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I would be in exactly the same place but I, 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 I thought you know what no I'm going to make sure that we're clear on the timelines a little bit better because that bouncing around was a bit difficult but it needed to be done it, it brought you into the story a lot more and established the characters a bit more I was dying to find out about this dust wife that yes. had set mm-hmm. these tasks so you know the teasers were all there but we also know, like Amanda said, Bree's not going to set us wrong. No. And T. Kingfisher is not going to set us wrong. No. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was harder at the beginning and a little bit more confusing, but damn, the payoff was good. Yes, yeah. definitely. I'd um, say the part that it doesn't really appear again, technically, it's just kind of a one-off location, but the goblin market... I'd say was a lot more effective in that, you know, we're in a place and we're just going to be here for this one part and then we're going to move on from it. It was a lot more effective as an incidental setting, I think, mm-hmm. because even though it had a ton going on and stuff, it 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 also had that, you know, fey lore background that, you know, it's in people's minds. It's It's just... All the crazy crap that was there, you know there's going to be too much yes. to actually you know, fit into the story. That's what actually makes me think there's a wider universe, like you're saying, that has the blistered lands in and has more of the goblin market. Mm. So it might not directly refer... Because the Queen at one point refers to two other kingdoms mm-hmm. as well. There's the mm-hmm. Harbour Kingdom, which is Mara's home country, and then the Northern Kingdom. But she does refer to at least two other kingdoms. And it makes me wonder, there may be other books that are one-off books that it's not actually been 
marketed as a as a wider universal the same setting or a series that it could be that you know they're in those kingdoms or there could be another book that is in the blistered lands yeah or that has the goblin market more in it and has the blistered lands a lot more in it but it's kind of like well it's it it's if you if you know you know exactly if you know you know yeah and if you've got these really good concepts why not reuse them the only thing you need to be mindful of are events and characters that occur in one book and how they may affect Mm -hmm. in another book yeah like um fenris's kingdom was another one that was not mentioned by any of the other characters until he came into play it was like a weird viking scottish Mm -hmm. kind of culture that i also found fascinating and wanted to know more about because you had like and i liked that the world was really big that was a good point claire that it did have different versions of different things but there were still these like universal concepts that were like the godmothers and it was really cool how everything got tied together Mm -hmm. and it just felt so big even though this wasn't that big of a book (laughs) no no it was really short um i I think that I probably would have been more okay with the uh, blistered lands and the cannibalism and stuff if that had been mentioned um, taking place during their travel time because they have a lot of travel time. They're like traveling for weeks. And so maybe if if it had mentioned if it had been mentioned then like okay well the next place that we're going to travel through guess what has cannibals. So just be Aware. Do cannibals need firewood? Yeah, Fenris will be fine there. <laughs> yeah, oh, so... that's, that's it. All it was was, oh, Fenris is going to cut some more firewood. Fenris is cutting firewood again. Guess yeah. what? Fenris, he's cutting firewood. <laughs> yeah. So I wish, <laughs> like, maybe if, if the Blizzard Lands had been mentioned that way, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have felt so jarring for me. I agree. Like, I they agree. were trying to avoid them because mm-hmm. they covered such a wide area, and I... I did the audiobook, um, so I don't know if there's a map in the, like, paper book, which I'd love to see it if there is, but it... I didn't see one in the e-book, and usually if there's mm. a map, it's it's in the e-book. Sometimes, says, but not quickly. if it's, like, not if it's the end pages or, like, the, like, the interior of the cover. Sometimes they don't include them then. Yeah, sometimes the file is too big or too, like... Uh, wide for the ebook format like they wouldn't want to split it up into two all the time i don't know tell you what i would like to do based on that is actually um have a look at other t kingfisher books as well Mm. and see if there are maps in the other ones and if they mention things like the blizzard lands there is an excerpt at the end which i didn't actually what, which what, I listened to the audiobook and I have got the ebook obviously for reference purposes. But there's an excerpt for a, what, a story that calls What Moves the Dead by T. T Kingfisher. So it's plausible. I mean, it's a novella. It could be part of this, you know, same universe, yeah, different storyline. It's worth I having did... a look. It is definitely worth having a look and seeing. I did see a really creepy, like, deconstructed rearing horse on a cover and i showed this to amanda and because it reminded me of her uh (laughs) it popped up on the audiobook but it was by t king fisher 
So that could be one of the darker series with cannibals. I, I think we need to do some meat. investigations. <laughs> I think we need to don our deer stalker. I mean, I'm looking at there's a book called Thorn Hedge by T. Kingfisher, and the tagline is "Not all curses should be broken." And in the background of the good. cover is a castle. So yeah, I'm thinking we need to do a little bit of the. the we digging. need to do some I research. Mean, to be fair, even yeah. the Wizard's Guide to Defense of Baking could be part of the same. Yeah, universe, that I was just going to yeah. say that I they had the same kind of uh, pseudo Catholic looking religion too Mm -hmm. with the different i think they also had saints in there because that was like more of a venetian setting yeah so the book you were talking about with a deconstructed dog is what feasts at a horse sorry is what feasts at night yes but there is another one which is number one in the series called what moves the dead and that's got um a rabbit and fungus on it fun so this is just means more T. Kingfisher books in the future. Yeah, I mean, definitely. There's so there's many. Excuses. I mean, I'm thinking it could be a future book club series where rather than reading yes. a series, we read an author. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be a good idea. Can we talk about something else in in this fantastic book? The um, the thief wheel. Um, at the end can can i point out one thing that really got me though with the thief wheel i did not understand that scene i had re-listened to it three times to understand what the hell was going on i got so confused i it it reminded me even though it's not the same um because obviously this is a traveling wheel um but i really got teeth in the mist vibes you know the the demonic water wheel, water wheel. Mm-hmm. and so that there's there's ghosts attached to it but also non-ghosts and they're stretched and drawn and quartered and frightening and i love it but that's that's what it made me think of it made me think of the water wheel and i really enjoyed that but then also it um makes me think of oh my gosh I just lost the word. Um, in the labyrinth, when they're under the ground and then the thing comes. Oh, oh, that. Ooh, ooh uh-huh. I can't remember the word, but I know what you mean. Yes. I also thought of that. Yeah, that um, the the sequence of events was a little confusing. The way I understood it was there was a thief wheel. It picked up the living grave robbers and stuff and Mm -hmm. basically kept them there until they died and became ghosts and they were never able to move on and stuff and that was its function and then it was so heavy and had so many grave robbers because it had been around for so long that um it was moving sluggishly and that kind of thing and then and that's why it was so powerful because you know when it overwhelmed the dust wife at first and it picked all of them up and since they weren't grave robbers they didn't steal anything that's why it dropped them separately i think and that's why they had to wander around Mm -hmm. a bunch that's how i understood it yeah i got same yeah what what got me was all of a sudden the dust wife is like i can't stop it and then the description was from Mara's point of view, and it did sound like, like the water wheel, 
from Teeth in the Mist. She's going round and round and round, being knocked to bits. But I'm like, is it a physical kind of labyrinth-style wheel or is it a metaphysical wheel? I couldn't work it out. And the description of the wheel itself didn't happen for at least another page or two until she's met back up with the dust wife and Agnes and Fenris. And I was like, oh, right, now I understand. Now I can picture it better in my head because at the time... yeah. She was basically in a a creepy hamster wheel until that point. I just imagine it being just a pile of bodies rolling around. Yeah, a round rolling like, pile of bodies. Yes, like like in Indiana Jones and the giant boulder comes, but it's a boulder made of bodies. Like That's spectral what, yeah, I didn't, and... I didn't know if it was, yes, I didn't know like if it was a ghostly... Or a physical thing. And that's what I couldn't get my head oh, around. That's what confused yeah. me the most. Was All of the it manifest- what manifestation yeah. it was taking. I think it it's everything. everything. Yeah, like you got everything. body parts and bits. Probably mostly like old, old corpses. Depending yes. on how many people yes. actually make their way in. Old dusty corpses. Maybe there's a guy who's still alive. And there's also some ghosts, I think. And it's just um, I kept ghosts. getting the um, the Crusader from Indiana Jones: Last Crusade. He was in there in my head. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you chose poorly. <laughs> That's exactly what was going on with me. So it was a bit sassier. Speaking of sassy, how sassy was the dust wife? Like oh, you don't meet oh, her for so a little good. while. It takes what chapter eight at least or something like that. Yeah, it takes and a you while. finally meet the dust wife. The dust wife. And you just imagine this scary old crone and she's like, I don't know, Helen Mirren? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love the re- resolution of the third task. She's like, you weren't supposed to pass the other two, but I guess you're you're determined and I'm going to have to help you at this point. Otherwise, you're just going to keep messing yourself up. So here, hand this back to me. Okay, let's go kill her. <laughs> I also really appreciated just like we said in the summary how everybody's like totally on board with the quest to kill the king. Yeah. Like no questions yeah. asked. Say no king's more. King's an abusive asshole. We're going to go and kill him. Do you want to come along? Yeah. Fine. Sure. I mean, the obstacles are basically logistical at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was nice. It was just there was no faffing around to be fair the most faffy character was mara and she was probably my least favorite i did like her i did i did like mara. yeah but you know when you're coming up against the dust wife who's the sassy cantankerous woman who can wake the dead i mean come on life goals yeah. or agnes who is this really nice and i get like this cuddly kind of vision of her being this lovely chicken rearing godmother who actually just curses absolutely everything and she's just wicked on the inside <laughs> if she was ever to be let free you've got bone dog <laughs> needs no explanation the yes. demon chicken needs no explanation <laughs> and then you've got mara who you know you've got fenris who will king kill a lord to avenge a boy against his abusive father and then sacrifice himself yeah, you are honorable you you are you are a nice guy. You're a genuine guy, full, fully like you. And you've got Mara, who's like, 
well, I was trained to be a nun for a long, long time. And I don't really have a lot of confidence in these things. But I need to go and kill a king to save my sister. So I'm fully on board with her. And I think it's very honourable what she's doing. And, I, you know, exactly she's doing exactly what she needs to do to help our family. Considering our sister hates her, as she thinks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she was probably the weakest character out of them all because... I don't know. She, she, her point was to bring everybody together. Yeah, I think to accomplish her, the task. I think that was, I think that was the point. Like she was, a big theme was like how what can ordinary people do against this you know big, overarching systematic evil and like her role was kind of to show. Even if you have no confidence, you're an anxious mess, you are have no special abilities or anything besides like symbols and stuff, you can still do something. And yeah. that's why I liked, I mean, yes, you're right. All of the side characters and everyone that she gathered around her was definitely more strong, interesting dynamic. But I did like... Yeah, I liked that. I I did like how accessible she was, at least at the beginning, though part of me kind of felt like she was her jadedness in the beginning. And then later on, she like grew out of it, even like it was it was like a minor setback. And she was always this like anxious cinnamon roll (laughs) the entire time, no matter how. She was literally cloistered, literally cloistered. So yeah, I think growing up in a convent and then having to go out into the wild world where your ultimate goal is to murder the, a, 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 the king. You know, I can't I can't fault her ambition. Yes. No, definitely She's not. And She's I think gone zero to 100. <laughs> I'd love to see adventures of her and Fenris and Bone Dog after everything just to see how much she has grown into herself and how much she's expanded her horizons beyond you know the nunnery and the castle and just how much she's learned i don't know how adventurous she would be i get the impression she was she's she would like she would run a non-profit well she's gonna go and rescue everybody first so that's at least one or two adventures yeah like that's a non-profit you know she's going to be one of the, she's going to be one of these that campaigns for better um working conditions for in the goblin in the, market in the goblin market so it's not Through going to be like a grand adventure teeth. it's going to be you know she's going to be like making policy and that, that's not, that's mm. not that's not adventurous you know what well, i i mean <laughs> i want to read more about agnes yes. yes what she and the dust wife get up to since they're going to be roommates now yes 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 i, I want to see agnes let loose and be the true wicked yes godmother. i want to see them be like influences on each other whereas Dustwife is like she doesn't care she's just you know living her little isolated life in peace doesn't want people to bug her and agnes is like this social butterfly and you know is trying to get her out of the house and at the same time Dustwife is like trying to get agnes to stop caring about what people think and trying to get her to just let loose and do what she's supposed to do and be this great evil power 
it would be a fun mutual corruption. Yes. I, I, I really enjoyed the scene. Mutual corruption is a fantastic idea. Um, it's the name of my band trademarking that right now. Okay, fine, good. It's Golden uh, Girls cut in half. See, that is what I was about to say. <laughs> I was about to talk about the Golden Girls, and I was going to say it's going to be Agnes and the Dustwife, and they're going to get the sister apothecary to come and join, yes. and she's going to bring her, her cordials, and then they're going to go, and they're going to live in the boarding house with Miss Margaret and her creepy fucking puppet. And it's going to be... cheesecake so the kid... <laughs> It's going to be a fantastic new TV series, and I'm there for that. I need this sitcom in my life now. (laughs) I'm so glad you you said Golden Girls because I was like, (laughs) I I was waiting for my moment to break in and be like, it's the Golden Girls. It's the Golden Girls. (laughs) (laughs) Big friends down the road and back in. Along those lines, I love that. Everybody was over 30. Yes. Yes, Yes, everyone was a grown-up, and I loved that. And I also loved that there wasn't um, really romance It was very subtle, and it was perfect. Yes. It was was mild tension. Yes. It was, ooh, he's hot. And it was like, oh, she's hot. And it's like, shall we share a blanket? Yes. Shall we share a room? Yes. But nothing freaking happens. Shall Agnes. we share a bone dog? Shall we share yes. a bone dog? Agnes and Dust the Dustwife were the biggest needlers when it came to potential romance with their digging the elbows into the ribs and the waggling eyebrows and the winks yes. and the pointed looks. Get over yourselves. Yes. <laughs> You're yes. frustrating to watch. Shag already. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and then the demon chicken's just sitting there on his little perch, or on her little perch. On her stick. Watching, yes. <laughs> and then she crows all of a sudden, because that's a thing that she does, and it's very confusing to everyone involved. But it's fantastic, and I love it. I think demon chicken was probably my favorite character. Oh, demon I can't restrict myself epic. to just one. Demon chicken's up there, bone dog's there, Agnes is up there, dust wife is there. I, I refuse to narrow it down to one. Same. I, I mean, liked Mara because I love me some reluctant, silently. Well, she's not efficient, but, you know, I, I like me some reluctant heroes that aren't, like, super bombastic. Yeah. But, yeah, all of all of the above. <laughs> yeah. I also really loved Agnes, too, especially mm-hmm. when she bursts through the doors at the end and she's like, okay, well, I'm the godmother now. And, like, she is projected as much bigger and scarier and more powerful. And they're like, I thought you were a lot taller there. And she's like, well, yeah, I had to be because that's what they're expecting. You're like, oh, okay. So she says, you can just do that. Okay, cool. What else can you do? That's it. She's painted as such a minor magic wielder. But actually, the dust wife's like, no, if, if, if Agnes wasn't there, the wicked godmother inside could take over the world and like yeah. yes can we have that please yeah just yeah. lean into that evil just a little bit and it'll be fine 
I yes. like that she, the only thing keeping her from it is because she doesn't feel like it. She doesn't want to. <laughs> yeah. And that, that just, I love relatable. those. That is relatable. Yeah, it's like, that's that's how you choose to be a good person. You have the potential for so much evil, but if you want yeah. to be good, you can. But try patience. Like, you know, it's always the quiet ones. You're, you're going to regret it. <laughs> you know what? I would take over the world by like naps. Yeah. Well, you know, just do a whole lot of magic and exhaust yourself, and then you can catch a nap and then wake up and do it all over again. Just take over Um, the world with baby animals. Yes, baby animals and naps. That's all you need. Her army of rats. No! (laughs) (laughs) And kids. Did we cover your surprise, Amanda? Um... No, but I am surprised, I guess, that it it's so much time passed before Mara did anything. <laughs> she just sat around. She's like, you know, you know what? I, I did was, nothing. I'm in, and now I've been in the convent for 15 years. Like, shit. That's a lot of time that has passed. She's a coddled royal who goes into the nunnery and she it's a very hard road to discover that she actually has agency in this world. Like she's got a lot of baggage to overcome and as an insecure twenty something, I understand. She wasn't ready. (laughs) She had a lot of pieces to put together because she had to go and see her sister at the birth. She had to go to the funeral. She had to learn from the apothecary nun. And she had to have those life experiences. And it's 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 why I think some people think why year fiction can sometimes be a little bit unbelievable that a 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 9-year-old can go and save the world because they don't have enough life experience to be able to do so. And it's often why I feel like you've got like the Percy Jacksons and the Harry Potters where they've got that extra bit of magic to help them. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it was your everyday Mara to get that confidence, to get that ability to then take that step out of your safety zone, you need the life experience and you need yes the push of all of those horrible things happening to say, yeah, it's time, it's, it's your time. Nobody else yeah. is going to save it her you have to do it um, which I think sometimes a bit of a difference and that's not to disparage why you're fiction because hello this is fiction hangover we freaking love it oh yeah Um, and kids are just as capable as adults they've just got more energy <laughs> I, I think a lot maps. of it <laughs> well Mara was also so sheltered and naive like even as a princess because she was the youngest sister so yeah. she wasn't going to be married off to anybody and she was being like tucked away as a political pawn and her mom was trying to protect her with that too a little Mm -hmm. bit while also like balancing on all these things and i i can see it it does take like personally myself being raised in a very sheltered environment if i didn't have other people influencing me outside of that little little bubble then i would have matured a lot slower than i did (laughs) So I, I related would to that a dispute lot. How much Mara's mum is protecting her. 
in her way, she definitely was more of the political machinations person. She, I feel like she's keeping Mara to one side for as a political pawn. That if anything happens to Kanye, well, she's got a spare. Yeah, she's not just had one heir; she's had an heir with two spares. She's got Mara there in a convent, locked away, hidden from everybody. Doesn't bring her out for any reason, apart from her sister's um, labor and the and the the and uh, the Anissa's death, and that's it. And she's it's because yeah, she's keeping like you, her you there. Just... For go in this cupboard for a her. while. It's not as if she's yeah. saying, you know, okay, that... it's a religious festival, come come home. It's my birthday, it's a centenary or something like that. There's, she never mm. goes back to her mother's palace apart from that one time she's coming home from the funeral and mentions Kanye's um, scars. And her mother's like, yeah, I know about them. She's Kanye's strong. And she... Yeah. I don't know how much a mum actually likes or loves her kids. They're there as political pawns and that that's as far as it. I don't think she has any maternal instinct for them and that's the character. Yeah, the, I, and I don't want I wouldn't they want do, to overlay that onto her. Yeah. They do also mention how the dad was a lot more of the caregiver between the two mm-hmm. and um they also have that comment like even Kanye comments on how like the queens aren't allowed to raise their own children and how like you know Kanye had to like learn how to be you know learn all this crap through all of these miscarriages and everything in the meantime to survive and I think that can definitely warp somebody a lot as far as if they do have kids or they are expected to be a mom they're forced to be a mom like because heirs and all that like i liked i really liked the commentary on this like with the medieval practices in this fantasy world that were very true to life and yeah yeah, very much a taking down of the patriarchy through commentary yes and the fact that there was choice yes you can be childless by choice if you do this i like that i really like that because I think it's it's some, it's very important that people are given that choice. Mm-hmm. <sighs> if only. Um, did we cover your surprise? I feel like we went on a bit of a tangent there, Amanda. Yeah, we did. did we cover it. Yeah. Mine. <laughs> I'm going to jump to mine to the other thing that you know is a life ambition <laughs> for Amanda. Is the cursed child was not expecting that. <laughs> yes you know when, the, when i love the cursed child he is there him at the boarding house like, oh shit There's gonna i thought be it was another abusive spouse or something abusive guy damn it nope no nope. it's a puppet. marionette puppet <laughs> with a string round her neck controlling her it was unpleasant brilliant yeah it reminded I, me I enjoyed of it. the the puppet book you guys did what was that called um the how to sell a haunted house, house. Yes. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of. Pumpkin. Pumpkin Except here. the cursed child was a little bit more wanted. Yes. Then, was it, what was the... What Pumpkin. Was the, the, Pumpkin. 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 Pumpkin's here. Pumpkin's everybody laugh. Everybody cheer. You do what Pumpkin tells you. Or I'm going to choke you. <laughs> Pay attention to me or else. 
<laughs> Don't tell them anything more, Miss Margaret. We're going to go and play. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I enjoyed that too. I enjoyed Curse Child. I half expected to like dial into this call and for you to have a marionette puppet on your thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I did not come surprise prepared. No one. I did not come prepared today. <laughs> Apologies. Except in my head, the puppet looked like the cursed Renesmee doll. Bring it back to Twilight. Oh yeah, you got to bring it back to Twilight. You got. Mine looked to like Pinocchio sure. from Shrek. Not gonna lie. Ew. Yeah. It's oh. just nasty. Or Chucky. Either way. <laughs> That's also okay. <laughs> Or uh, what's his name from the Goosebumps book? Slappy. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, a terrible or, name for uh, a puppet. Dustin really likes this. Or my Dustin is my husband. Uh, he really likes this um, B horror studio called Full Moon Pictures, and Demonic Toys is one of their um, franchises. And I haven't watched more than. I haven't watched more than one of those movies because they're they're too much for me. But it's uh, yeah, those there also is a came movie to mind. Coming out that I saw a trailer for just last week, and I was at the cinema for a possessed teddy bear. I saw that. Yay. I saw that trailer. But um, it's like I, all imaginary friends, so I think it's more than just the teddy bear. Yes. Yeah. Do you remember Teddy Ruxpin from yes. childhood? Yes. Like I, I swear Teddy Ruxpin is a cursed. Teddy bear. I'm sure he is. Child. I'm sure. I'm sure he is. It 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 doesn't really need the cassette to go in to make it speak. No. I always wanted one as a child. They were always too expensive <laughs> though. But now I'm thinking back, I'm like, I probably I, I think I dodged a bullet with that one. I think yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> one thing that was my surprise that hasn't been covered yet is did anybody else expect that Fenris was gonna be the one to explode at the end, not Bone Dog? I was worried, but it made it it made me sad, and I'm not I'm I'm not a dog person, but it made me sad that Bone Dog got exploded at the end. Oh no, I I was, I was crushed. I would have preferred so was Bone Dog. I would have preferred that Fenris exploded, mm-hmm. um, and then they brought him back through Dustwife shenanigans or something. Honestly, oh, but then that opens the whole doors of necrophilia again, and that's yeah. like the topic that keeps coming up. <laughs> So, Bone Dog, it was better that it was Bone Dog because yeah. he can be remade and, you know, he's happy again. But yes. at the same time, like... You. I have the technology. He was such a good boy. He was a good doggo. 14 out of 10 would the best doggo. from Firstborns again. Exactly. <laughs> oh, is it time to move on? It is. It's time for Would You Rather. The time. Yes, it's time. It's time, Bree. Are you ready? Have you got your finger guns? We asked on social media, would you rather have a companion, bone dog or demon chicken? And honestly, the the percentages are so close. I'm just good. I feel like I need to just say it's basically 80, 20. Yeah. on across the board. Bone dog, bone dog, bone dog, bone dog. Everybody wants a bone dog. Yes, we have got quite a few comments, so let's whistle through those. PC Cast, author friend extraordinaire, on Facebook said, totally a born dog, though it sounds very, very wrong. <laughs> She's hung out with us too much. Oh, I get it. 
Uh, Coral on Facebook says, Bone dog for sure. Love dogs. Can't say no to that. Not so much chickens. I can't imagine a demon chicken. No thanks. I can. Cindy on Facebook said, A bone dog. Cody on Facebook says, Demon chicken because its eggs would make one hell of an omelet. (laughs) Worth a lot of money on the goblin market. (laughs) Yeah, Um, really. Katrina on Facebook said, Okay, so I love dogs. I'm always going to choose a canine companion. Plus, I'm scared of normal chickens. How scary is a demon chicken going to (laughs) be? Katrina. Good point. I'm with you. Claire on Facebook says, Dogs are always amazing companions. So, bone dog easily. Jess Pinkmills on Instagram said, Such a great book! And Bone Dog is the bestest boy. <laughs> 14 out of 10. Real Jackson Ford, author friend on Instagram, says, Bone Dog, obviously. So much easier to take care of it when it eats something it shouldn't. Oh. <laughs> and Just lastly, Quinlan LaFroid on threads said, I feel a dog would be more loyal, this helpful on your travels. Demon chicken is just going to run straight into trouble. (laughs) With a huge... No, demon chicken is just going to sit there on her... And judge you. Yes, she's on her perch. And then you catch her shadow on the wall and it's a terrifying demon. They're like, oh, she really is possessed. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, hands down. I saw a reel once on Instagram and it was of a chicken coop. And you just think this chicken's gonna stand out, normal chicken. No, it was freaking just dinosaur, honestly. It was like four foot tall, it had legs like tree trunks, its clawed feet were the scariest things I have ever seen. It's some like, I don't know, it was in like, it was either Japan or Korea or, or Vietnam. It was in one of, it was like in that kind of like Asian block countries. And I was like, I, I am, ter- I was, I was, I, I can't even think about it. My brain just does not want to compute it. So when I was thinking demon chicken, it was going to be like that. But in fact, it's just like your communal garden. Cluck, cluck. <laughs> I was thinking my uh, mother-in-law's new roosters because she likes to breed Brahmas which are known for being super docile and super nice and super pretty, but huge. These things are kaijus. Yes. I would love... They have such big fluffy butts and fluffy feathers on their uh, feet. I would love to have a giant kaiju demon chicken. That's what I'm choosing. Hands down, demon chicken. Has to be demon chicken. No. I'm going to go with... Bone dog because I I have a hard time with reptiles and birds, like in person. I can respect them from afar. They're very pretty and awesome, but I don't want to touch one because they're scary and dinos. <laughs> I'm feeling physically sick of the thought of it being a chicken. I mean, we all yeah. know I have an irrational fear slash hatred of some birds. Yeah, and chickens are on that list and I need to move on and think about having a dog okay think about bone dog think about bone dog bone dog bone dog dog, dog. okay and like real Jackson Ford said so much easier to take care of when they eat something (laughs) that they're not supposed to okay next question bone dog exactly grapes wouldn't kill the bone dog it's dead yeah it's fine just pluck it out when you're done I want a bone dog 
Okay, next question. Would you rather be a godmother who curses or a dust wife who can control the dead? This is a horrible question. I hate you for asking it because damn the both life goals. Yes. Oh. Dust wife who can control the dead. I love the spooks. Oh, but curses though. I'm going to be a godmother who curses. It's amazing. If you be I'm a gonna... godmother who curse, I'll be the dust wife who can control the dead and we'll team up and have shenanigans golden girl style. Yes. I want to be... I want to be the dust wife, actually, just because it's going to be easier dealing with dead humans than baby humans. Hmm. See, I don't, I, I don't really have much to do with the with the baby humans. Just burst into the room through the double doors. They slam back open. I just walk in, give it a curse, and then just sashay right back out. You're just going to get offended and Maleficent at all the christenings. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. So that's no, nothing wrong. wrong. They should have invited you. Yeah. Jerks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do love how petty Maleficent is. You didn't invite me to the party, but I curse you all. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, though, if they'd invited us, you probably would have said no anyway. Well, and of course, course she would have felt not, felt valued yes. as an evil it's, overlord. It's the thought that counts. Long story short, don't piss off the introverts. Yep. No, don't. Because we're not going to come, and if we don't come, we don't curse. No. Okay. Wrong rule. Would you rather be blessed slash cursed? By the royal godmother or by Agnes? I'm going to say Agnes because I trust her character more. Like, she's going to, if I do right by her, she's going to do right by me. And good health doesn't sound like a bad blessing, honestly. Like, I'd like to recover faster from the sniffles. Whereas (laughs) the royal godmother, like, she's super powerful. But I don't know. She's more crafty. She's taking liberties with your life force. Yeah. And I'm not on board with that. No. So, you know, if I was stealing your life force, not you two, obviously you're safe. But if I was to be the royal godmother and be cursing people to steal their life force, that's a different matter. But I don't want to be the recipient of the curse. No. If you're the recipient of her curse, you were a jerk. And yeah. you deserve it. No oil of is going to stop the grinkles, the premature aging. And I'm not on board you, with that. Did you say grinkles? Grinkles. <laughs> no, I prefer grinkles from now Your on. Your internet made it sound like grinkles. 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 Thank you, internet. That implies <laughs> that you're turning green. Yes. You cannot you control be. the grinkles. You could be. You don't know what she's done. Long story <laughs> short... Agnes is less likely to curse me with grinkles. <laughs> and you can have tea with her. Yeah. Just have a nice little tea party. She blesses you. You leave. Visit on the weekends. Yeah. Yes. Help think, her with her garden. Yes. I think I think it's fair that we are all choosing Agnes instead of the royal godmother. I don't want to have anything to do with that family at all. Yeah. So I'm hoping it's better Agnes. now that, like, Bowling's dead and Kanye's in charge. Yes. 
Oh, yeah. I, Kanye is going to political everything so much yes. better than her mom. And yes. she's going to, like, make her son into the best boy because he's actually going to live a full life. <laughs> yeah. And she can shelter him from the corruption because she's the regent. Yes. She can teach him not to be an abusive asshat. Yes. Exactly. Break the cycle. Yes. Next okay. question. Next Would you question. rather... What? It's you, isn't it? Yeah. It's all us. Why? It's all we, we take turns. It's the Grinkles. It's the it's Grinkles. The Grinkles. It's the Grinkles. They're I've coming. I've cursed by Grinkles. You've been cursed by Grinkles. <sighs> Would you rather visit the Goblin Market or the haunted catacombs. This is another rock and hard place. See, it's me, haunted catacombs. You know, let me get my EF Marita out. Let's go and get some ghostly apparition proof. But the Goblin Market would be really fun. However, I would be worried that I wouldn't be able to pay the price to purchase something and I will go into servitude. There's, There's always that kind of you look at somebody the wrong way and they're like, yeah, yeah, I was now. No, shit. So I'm going to go with Haunted Catacombs. Yeah, I'm going to choose the Haunted Catacombs too, only because I'd rather look at the Goblin Market and like see all the pretties. And it sounds like a great place to like see from afar, but to actually be in it is too dangerous and I'm not clever enough to like wheel and deal and survive. So haunted catacombs, <laughs> though, I can just talk with the ghosts as long as I don't steal anything. I can just, you know, have fun, wander around, see all the pretty like artifacts and all the crap that people just left around and talk with the ghosts and learn the history. And then I can leave and go on my merry way. Exactly. Don't look, don't touch, don't take. Only, you know, take memories and photographs. It's like the Cave of Wonders. Oh, it is. And Touch the Goblin Market. But the lamp. Oh, Goblin Market is. is the Cave of Wonders with a lot of merchants who want to rip you off. Yes. Yeah. Do you like some Dead Sea Tupperware? <laughs> Still good. Oh, that's what we need. More Disney movies to talk oh, about. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, this entire season is just full circle, it, just constantly. Really, yes, yes. I'm okay with this. <laughs> um, I choose the Goblin Market, and I would like to visit it and then take over my own booth. I where... thought that you would be a merchant. That occurred yeah. to me right as you said it. Yep. You I basically don't... take over the tooth merchant, yeah. don't you? Yeah, I do. I do. I will 100% do that. There is no other choice. So we make sure that we avoid the thief wheel and we take all of the dead people's teeth and then we go to the goblin market and we trade them and barter them with Amanda. Yeah. Yes. Or, you know, you can just come and bring me weird teeth. You just give them to me. We could be the suppliers. Yeah. I'm okay with that. That sounds good. And they'll be haunted teeth, so they'll have more value. Yes. Yes. Haunted royal dead teeth as well. Yes. Yes. Teeth of killers. Teeth of consorts. Yes. Teeth of jerks. Jerks Jerk and teeth. tyrants. Jerk teeth. Jerk teeth. <laughs> sounds like jerk chicken. 
<laughs> no. We have one too many would you rathers. We do. I was thinking since we have so many that it would be fair for Bree to ask the last two. So we all get to ask okay. two. Yes. So would you rather bargain time from your life or your teeth at the goblin market? Give give me all your teeth. No, you're the one giving the teeth. No, you're giving them to me. This is fair, but what about if you were the one who was haggling? I I think I would give up a tooth. Just just for the tooth factor. Well, just if just I can one. choose the tooth. Yeah, like if, don't if, take if, my if, yeah. like front teeth or something weird like take that. Don't take mm. my take my canines. Take take like the incisors so then I can replace them with fangs. Ooh, I'll trade, trade I'll trade my teeth. That's what I'm doing. Okay. Well, in the absence of me doing that, since you've got that answer, I'm just going to, you know, I don't use my wisdom teeth. The back ones, you know. I already had those cut out. But you know what? I was missing one. I only had three of them. Only three existed in my head. And I'm missing a molar. It just never was there. My brother has an extra tooth. Well, he can trade it for something. I know people who still have baby teeth. Oh, and they're adults. Yep, my age, older. Why? Oh, it's it's something like where a dental work is it? Yeah, dental work is expensive, and it never fell out. Is it real small? Yeah. Is it weird? It's looking? like in the back, though. Oh, okay. So, so you can't like... so you can't tell if it's weird looking. I mean, it, it threw off it the growth of color. the other teeth. Oh. The coloration will be different as well. That's weird. But I don't know. The school, have I you like seen it. like children's skulls where you can see all the teeth top yeah. in, the, in the jaw Ugh. line Ugh. waiting to come through? It's creepy as. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Amanda smiles. I cringe. <laughs> I don't uh, know. Agree, of course. You have to choose. Ugh. I... You know what? I have a crown in the very, very back of my mouth. So you know what? I'm getting the free dental work done. I'm going to get something in exchange for dental work. Win-win. Yeah, it's perfect. It's not going to hurt either. Like, (laughs) eyes closed, open your mouth, let the bird peck at it. Yeah. Claire, you'd have to have a bird in your mouth. (sighs) It's a bird fay. It's different. It's it's it is you different. You have to have a beak it's in not, your mouth. Beak it's mouth. It's not like it's the chicken. It's not like it's the chicken or a peacock. Beak mouth. Oh, if it was a peacock, I would I would know that's different matter. But no, I'd be fine with the bird fear. It's okay, and I'm kind of half intrigued by feeling the teeth dancing around. I feel like as it would long be as itchy. you were, as long as you were, it would be very itchy. As long as you relaxed and didn't like try to close your mouth like Mara did, because that just made it worse. <sighs> yeah. No, I'm pretty good at the dentist of just lying back and just closing my eyes and then just letting them get on with it. Oh. Which I'm doing on Monday. We Um I I need we need to take a segue for just a second because you know how everyone has the um the nightmares where your teeth fall out? Everybody has those. Everybody has really? those teeth. They're those dreams. You don't have the dreams where your teeth fall out? Do you Claire? I don't think I have. 
I don't think I have. That's like a thing. It's a. It's like you're. I think you feel like you're losing control of your life, and and I don't know. I don't know the the I dreamscape have, stuff I have dreams it. that are that are like that where I will be in a car driving but i can't control the car and it just drives without me yeah i have that dream too but i am driving from the back seat and it's really hard to control i've had that too i don't have that i i have um a paralysis dream where it's set in my old like primary school that's not my primary school you know the way the dreams always uh it's a place that you know but you don't and there's yes. a specific person, like the paralysis demon, I suppose it is. Um, and I can't scream. And it's, a, and I wake up with sleep paralysis. Mm. It is the rarest thing. I've had it like two or three times in yeah. my life. But I've Ooh. never done the teeth thing. You ever had a teeth or... dream? That's interesting. No. Well, no, I I often dream. have the teeth dream, but... Well, that doesn't surprise anybody. I know. <laughs> but like, the thing about it is, like normally in, in the teeth dream, like your teeth, fall out but in my teeth dreams my teeth fall they do come out but i'm able to put them back in and it's all kind of like wiggly and and wonky and that's what this made me think of with the dancing teeth like like it's not quite right and i like have to hold them in and get to a dentist so they can fix my mouth i wonder if maybe if you had the dancing teeth and if you have any crooked teeth it would actually straighten them off i wish Cause I got my snaggle tooth, but it gives See, me character. Amanda, you just need to offer a side hustle doing dentistry with yeah. your. That can be another way you can get like a supply of. Teeth. Yeah, yeah. Especially okay. in medieval fantasy world, you would make yes. a killing. Yeah. Okay, I'm fine with that. Yeah, and then right. I can travel into the world of Daughter of Smoke and Bone, and pay for wishes with my teeth <laughs> or others We've expanded the universe already yes you have had you just have an empire uh yeah. an empire of teeth yes an empire of teeth it sounds like a ya book i was gonna say when's the release <laughs> pre-order <when laughs> up next week yeah i wish let's no. put that one on brie she's the author of, of the crew here all right well, next book brie empire yep. of teeth i want to written this year during me more nine more re more i more get on it we'll see i am wandering into darker fantasy fair so get the teeth involved (laughs) all right if you have teeth she will come i'll put it in the back of my head thank you where your teeth belong (laughs) would you rather have a cursed child on your shoulder or your teeth made to dance I think we've all pretty much answered this one. I'd rather have teeth dancing than garroting 24-7 to varying degrees. <laughs> I don't like, know. I think Amanda work. would still like that Renesmee Marinette cursed child on the shoulder. I, I would. I would. I would. I just, I just feel like, though, it would be you have a sore throat constantly mm. because it's like cutting off your air and whatever. And I've already... I got sick a couple weeks ago after I came home from a conference and like it was not fun. I have not enjoyed the throat feels. Mm, so it's no. too fresh. My teeth are dancing around and I'm going to like it. Yeah, yeah. I'm intrigued by the teeth dancing. I, 
the, I like the audiobook though, the way that the, the, the narrator made Miss Margaret sound like she had a 60 year day habit. <laughs> yeah. Because of the grotting, which was not nice. But yeah, I don't really, I don't want to marionette on my shoulder. Get off my shoulder. What are you doing on my shoulder? Piss off. Jeez. <laughs> no, I'm choosing my the, shoulder. <laughs> I'm, I'm choosing the cursed child. Well, of course okay, you are. Okay, so. <laughs> I don't get yeah, to but... take the teeth. I don't get to, like, it's just my own teeth. Like, I don't care about that. I want others' teeth. So I'm choosing the cursed child. The cursed child can help you gather the teeth. Yeah. No, because he's got a string. You, not the guests. Can't I make friends with him? And he uses his garroting string, you know, in like the trick where you tie the string around your tooth and then you slam the door. My dad did that to my brother. I throw the puppet. (laughs) And the tooth comes out. And then I reel it again. So my question for you, Claire, is what if the cursed child was Scully Joe? Oh, Scully Joe's always on my shoulder in some way or form, I suppose. What if he was your cursed child? Would you be my cursed child? Yes. So dapper. He's wearing his vampire jumper, though. See? He's got teeth. He's he's the perfect cursed child because he already has teeth. He's got teeth on his little hat. He's got teeth on his little jumper. It's perfect. He's so happy. You can only see him on Patreon. That's true. He's so smiling. He always smiles. Everyone, make sure you join the Patreon so you can see Scully Joe. It only takes $1, but we would prefer it if you give us more. Hashtag always be plugging. Worth Hashtag it. don't go on Instagram where Scully Joe has his own account. <laughs> that, but you can't see him in live action unless you join the Patreon. Yes. I think that's probably the one reason why Bree joined the Patreon. No, Scully Joe, all the way. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, no, I adore you too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, let's move on. It's time for favorite final thought quote. What do we Yay. have? What do we have to share? Bree, do you want to go first? Sure. So mine, a lot of them are an homage to my mother-in-law and her various animals. The first one is definitely our two, dedicated to our two goats, Sarabi and Jade, who are always glaring at you like you've done something. The goats watched her suspiciously, but that did not mean anything, because goats watched everyone suspiciously. (laughs) (laughs) And this one reminds me of my mother-in-law, who is affectionately known as the chicken lady at one time or another. What kind of monster is walking with me? What am I about to unleash? She's not just an old woman with a chicken. (laughs) She's so much more. And this one is a little more serious because I, yeah, just having uh, met Miss Gale in person for the first time recently, I have heroine's journey stuck all up inside my head. Oh, it's, it was amazing. I will never forget it. Uh, no death and glory final stands unless we have no other options. Yes. Aww, yes. I love it. Wholesome. Claire, what do you have? Uh, I've got one, two, three, four. four I have four plus. also. I've got a couple of medium-sized ones, so yeah, settle down. 
on the other hand, she was still short and round-faced and sturdy, and there were very few ghost stories about short, sturdy women. Mara had not managed to be pale and willowy and consumptive at any point in 18 years of life and did not think she could achieve it before she died. Relatable. <laughs> I relate to Mara. Um, girl, have I given you any indication of the last week I joke about anything? How did you get a demon in your chicken? The usual way? Couldn't put it in a rooster and that's how you get basilisks. I howled with laughter at this one to the point where I interrupted the hubby and I had to tell him what it was. Uh, Armies of the dead seem like a good idea, she said, until you're standing in front of a thousand blind, withered husks who only know how to kill and kill and keep on killing. You might as well just drop play corpses in the town well well at that point. Uh, Yes, (laughs) let's do that. I love you, dust wife. Just so practical. So good. And I'm going to give this one, which is the most serious of the ones, um, because I feel like it is so of the moment. Damn the patriarchy. The history of the world was written in women's wombs and women's blood, and she would never be allowed to change it. Mm. I was like, oh. that hits me. Like, mm. yeah. Amanda, what have you got? Of course it would be teeth. Her mind said, while her skin tried to crawl off her body and run away screaming, it was never not going to be horrible. Teeth. Yes. <laughs> is this where we say, or is it Amanda or the book? <laughs> yes. Not real life, Amanda. Not real life. <laughs> okay, you know okay, when you I read a passage one. and you instantly know, yeah, Amanda's going to get this quote. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'll just pre-highlight it, shall I? <laughs> Okay, how about this one? Rage was only useful if you were allowed to do anything with it. Real oh, life, Amanda, so again? Come on. So true. Jeez, honestly. Is it productive? If not, let it go. <laughs> okay. Rage should be restricted to Mario Kart only. Mm. <clears throat> Lots of people deserve to die, said the dust wife finally. Not everybody deserves to be a killer. And finally, hate, like love, was apparently complicated. Yep. Mm. Also, I did I did like we're here for a straightforward regicide, not to level the city. (laughs) Priorities. Straightforward regicide. I'll throw in a a bonus then. God's balls! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, medieval curses are the best. Mm. Okay. If you liked this, try this. Brie, let's start with you. Do you have a suggestion? I do, and it is near and dear to my heart recently, especially. Uh, Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik. Yes. Uh, Yes, the dark fairy tale, the badass women with agency in a medieval time that does not accommodate for it makes me so happy. All right, and description taken from Goodreads. Spinning silver draws readers deeper into a glittering realm of fantasy where the boundary between wonder and terror is thinner than a breath and safety can be stolen as quickly as a kiss. 
Miriam is the daughter and granddaughter of moneylenders, but her father's inability to collect his debts has left his family on the edge of poverty until Miriam takes matters into her own hands. Hardening her heart, the young woman sets out to claim what is owed and soon gains reputation for being able to turn silver into gold. When an ill-advised boast draws the attention of the king of the Starik, grim fey creatures who seem more ice than flesh, Miriam's fate and that of two kingdoms will be forever altered. Set an impossible challenge by the nameless king, Miriam unwittingly spins a web that draws in a peasant girl, Wanda, and the unhappy daughter of a local lord who plots to wed his child to the dashing young Tsar. But Tsar Marantius is not what he seems, and the secret he hides threatens to consume the lands of humans and Starik alike. Torn between deadly choices, Miriam and her two unlikely allies embark on a desperate quest that will take them to the limits of sacrifice, power, and love. Channeling the vibrant heart of myth and fairy tale, spinning silver weaves a multi-layered magical tapestry that readers will want to return to again and again. Mm. Yes, it's amazing. I would also recommend Uprooted by Naomi Novak on a similar yes. vein. <laughs> Is that what you're going to suggest, or are you going to suggest something else? No, well, I was going to suggest Naomi Novik, but then somebody beat me to it. So I'm going to suggest Malice by Heather Walter, and it's a duology. Um, it's very good, sapphic, um, fairy tale, fairy tale, and from a villain's point of view, is she a villain? There's question marks. Ooh. Summaries from Goodreads. Once upon a time, there was a wicked fairy who, in an act of vengeance, cursed a line of princesses to die. A curse that could only be broken by true love's kiss. You've heard this before, haven't you? The handsome prince, the happily ever after. Utter nonsense! Let me tell you, no one in Briar actually cares about what happens to its princesses. Not the way they care about their jewels and elaborate parties and charm-granting elixirs. I thought I didn't care either. Until I met her. Princess Aurora, the last heir to Briar's throne, kind, gracious, future queen Harrell needs. One who isn't bothered that I, Alice, the Dark Grace, abhorred and feared for the mysterious dark magic that runs in my veins. Humiliated and shamed by the same nobles who pay me to bottle hexes and then brand me a monster. Aurora says I should be proud of my gifts, that she cares for me. Even though it was a power like mine that was responsible for her curse, with less than a year until that curse will kill her, any future I might see with Aurora is swiftly disintegrated, and she can't stand to kiss yet another insipid prince. I want to help her if my power began, began her curse. Perhaps it's what can lift it. Perhaps together we could forge a new world. Nonsense again, because we all know how this story ends, don't we? Aurora, the beautiful princess, and I, I am the villain. <laughs> so it's, good it's done really well and I haven't actually read the second half yet because I haven't had the chance but I just learned it from the library today hey so that's going to be my next listen and next time I'm at the office <laughs> excellent great on my TBR it's a, it's really well done and the, the audio book is very very well done what is your recommendation Amanda mine is called Half a Soul it's book one of the Regency fairy tales series by Olivia Atwater. 
It's difficult to find a husband in Regency England when you're a young lady with only half a soul. Ever since she was cursed by a fairy, Theodora Eddings has had no sense of fear or embarrassment, a condition which makes her prone to accidental scandal. <gasps> scandal? <gasps> Dora hopes to be a quiet, sensible wallflower during the London season, but when the strange, handsome, and utterly uncouth Lord Sorcier discovers her condition, she is instead drawn into dangerous and peculiar fairy affairs. If Dora's reputation can survive both her curse and her sudden connection with the least liked man in all of high society, then she may yet reclaim her normal place in the world. But the longer Dora spends with Elias Wilder, the more she begins to suspect that one may indeed fall in love even with only half a soul. This is on, has been on my TBR for years, mostly because Miss Gale vibes, mm -hmm. like soulless vibes, mm -hmm. hardcore. Mm -hmm. Sounds very good. Definitely. How can we add in a new and indie spotlight with these three recommendations? I okay. challenge you, Amanda. I challenge you. Okay, look, get ready for this one. You know we've had some really, really good new and indie spotlight recommendations oh, yeah. lately. And this yeah. one, I can't wait for my copy to come in the mail because it's coming. <gasps> it's Challenge called accepted. Five Broken Blades by My Corland. And it's, this one's coming out May 7th. And we might get a chance to talk to the author in a new and indie spotlight bonus episode. So look forward Ooh. to that. Vengeance, love, murder, all in a day's work. Meet the five killers who are willing to risk everything and each other for the ultimate prize in this epic new fantasy that will hook you until the very last page. The five most dangerous liars in the land have been mysteriously summoned to work together for a single objective, to kill the God King June. He has it coming. Under his merciless immortal hand, the nobles flourish while the poor and innocent are imprisoned, ruined, or sold. And now, each of the five blades will come for him. Each has tasted bitterness from the hired hitman seeking atonement, a lovely assassin who seeks freedom, or even the prince banished for his cruel crimes. None can resist the sweet, icy lure of vengeance. They can agree on murder. They can agree on treachery. But for these five killers, each versed in deception, lies, and betrayal, it's not enough to forge an alliance. To survive, they'll have to find a way to trust each other, but only one can take the crown. Let the best liar win. It sounds so good! That sounds, that sounds really, really amazing. Good. <laughs> it also has more than tentative link. I know! Hashtag tenuous hashtag link. Tenuous link we, we are full of hashtag tenuous links with all of our suggestions today. Well, Scully Joe appreciates each one. Fantastic. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. I'm Claire. And I'm Bree. Yay! Join us next time as we discuss book three of The Wayward Children 
series, Beneath the Sugar Sky by Seanan McGuire. Look out for our Would You Rather polls and monthly challenges on, <laughs> on social media. Don't forget about our book club on Discord. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangof.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram, Threads, TikTok and YouTube at Fictional Hangover. And find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictional hangover. If you like this episode, check out our others and be sure to rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.